0: Welcome to the Champion School Podcast, where champions come to play. Are you ready to gain the competitive edge today? What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Champion School Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Byler, and today I bring on a very good friend of mine, Adam Witt former right-handed pitcher in the Houston Astros organization he was with the Wolfpack back from 2011 to 2015 with me I have some great memories there hashtag fear the flow although he doesn't <laughs> have the flow anymore he's got a clean cut but the flow was in we had the shirts out there in the stands I went out to the Cape Cod League had a great season He's basically just an incredible human being he's battled a lot in his life he's got a lot of adversity that he's gone through and his story is incredible just going from high school into college ball, into professional ball, getting the opportunity to play there for a few years, and now into his real-life test that's ha- actually happened to him recently, which I'm excited for him to get into, and I'll let him kind of take the wheel on that later on. But, uh, Witt, I'm excited to have you on the show, brother. It's been a while.
1: Yeah, what's up, Bye. Good good. Beyond, Thanks for having me on, man.
0: Absolutely, man. Absolutely. You doing all right out there in the, the freezing cold in Utah or what, man? <laughs>
1: yeah, man. The last few days in Salt Lake, it's been snowing. I got 16 inches on Monday, another 4 inches on Wednesday. But today, you know what? It's 43 degrees and sunny. I feel like I'm living
0: in Hawaii right now. Yeah, <laughs> It feels like a beach day. Dude. You got to get out of that <laughs> course, man. Somebody's got to go mow that uh, the snow off the lawn out there, man. Get you on the that's, course.
1: that's exactly right, man. I'm missing my golf right now.
0: Oh, dude, I went out to the Waste Management Tournament in Arizona this last weekend, Oof. and it was 70 and sunny and the most beautiful day you could ever freaking picture. I just wanted to be on the course, man. It was making me jealous. Biggest
1: party in golf, that's what they say, man. <laughs> I watch it on TV. I was, I'm jealous of you right now.
0: Yeah, <laughs> dude, 250,000 people. We're walking in, and it's like a whole freaking zoo. Never felt anything like it, but then you get in, and it kind of opens up because there's so much space. But it was, dude, that was insane. I didn't even, I had no clue what to expect. Wow. That's
1: awesome, man. That's so awesome.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> man. Well, I'm excited to have you on the show. I know we've, we've been talking about this for a while, and, and I'm excited for people to hear your story. I think there's so much value that you can bring just to the audience and just to people in general. I know the right people are going to hear this today, and it's going to reach the right ears, and, and you're going to inspire somebody with what you have to say. We've had some great conversations off off uh, the, the air. Basically, one was out this past past summer when went up to Park City, did a baseball clinic up there, and you're down in Salt Lake now and came up there and we talked for like two hours outside just eating food and just uh, BSing, dude, and just having a great conversation, and it really opened my eyes to a lot. You taught me a lot there from what you've gone through, both on the field and off the field, and obviously I was with you for the on the field stuff, but never really for the off the field, just from afar, and watching your perseverance and uh, your tenacity has been incredible just from afar and now I want to hope that more people can kind of reach you and get some wisdom from you today man so I'm excited for this
1: yeah thanks man I really appreciate that you know it's been uh you know when you're playing baseball the moment it seems like that's your whole life and that's you know you're preparing yourself for that but really baseball has prepared me for life afterwards which it's only been two and a half three years so far but man it's been the most testing and uh most influential part of my life, I guess.
0: Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And you talked about it's such a big part of your life, and that's all you want to do when you're in it. So kind of take us through your career, man, and how you got to Nevada. You weren't the the traditional, hey, give me 75%, and and you've got a spot for four years. No, it was a little different, more of a walk-on and kind of just, hey, whatever happens, happens. But kind of explain that in detail, because I remember it vividly watching you going in that freshman year redshirt and going through your deal, but I'll let you tell the story, man, but kind of get through that and how you got to Nevada and and what kind of sparked that career.
1: Yeah, man. So I played high school ball and grew up in Carson City, Nevada, you know, about 25, 30 minutes away from Reno. Uh, Growing up, going to Wolfpack baseball, football games, you know, the hometown college and all that stuff. Uh, Played tennis, basketball and baseball in high school wasn't recruited for any sports. I was pretty undersized as far as weight and height out of high school and, you know, didn't really have any intangibles that were out of the ordinary, I guess. Um, And in the early August of 2011, you know, two or three weeks before school started, I was already accepted. I was going there because it was in-state tuition, had academic scholarships, all that stuff. And I just happened to walk into coach gary power's office like two weeks before season starts man and i was like hey how do you how do i go about walking on you have tryouts you have this and they had a prospect camp like two weeks before tryouts or uh, before the fall ball started i showed up pitched three innings, struck out nine guys (laughs) pat flurry the pitching coach at the time was like hey man i mean you're throwing 78 to 81 miles an hour uh You get a good curveball, but it's pretty slow too. But, hey, you just struck out nine guys in three innings. We're going to have you come out and give you a month tryout in the fall. And that's all I know. That's all, man, I just wanted a shot, see if I could do it or not. Showed up to that first meeting, Um, you know, seeing guys like you, all these big high school guys coming out, you know, significantly bigger than I was. I was 6'3", 151 pounds, you know, Mm -hmm. so coming in, seeing all these seniors and guys throwing upper 80s, low 90s, It was pretty intimidating, but at the same time, I knew that, you know, I had some more growing to do, and I knew that uh, I could I could compete with you guys. Whether I was going to be throwing or whatever, I I just felt like I could get the job done. And throughout that fall, you know, I had a pretty good fall. Um, And when it came down to the first season, Powers, you know, Coach Powers calls everyone in and talks to you in the office, and uh, that's when he kind of sat me down and was like, "Listen, man, we don't have a spot for you." We weren't expecting you to make it this far. You know, this is in January or February now, and I had made it past that one-month tryout that they gave me. And, uh, yeah, he said, you know, we're going to redshirt you. We want you to gain 60 pounds. Come back next year. Um, we'll do the same thing next year. Kind of give you the fall to try out, and we'll see how you do.
0: And so pounds. that's what
1: I did. He said he wanted 60. I think it was for exaggeration, you know, just <laughs> trying to drive the point that, you know, he didn't want a 150-pound uh, pitcher out there on the mound. CPA but guy, I I, t- love him. I took it to heart, man. I, I went and I worked out seven days a week. I ate over 10,000 or more calories every day. You know, it was a full-time job, dude. Uh, you know, I'd eat till I was sick. I'd do whatever I needed to do to gain that weight. And throughout that year, you know, I gained tons of strength, tons of muscle. And uh, I did. I ended up gaining 55 pounds came back that sophomore year, which would be my redshirt freshman year. And, uh, you know, I was throwing a little bit harder. I was 85, 86, still kind of low three quarters over the top guy. And uh, maybe the beginning of January into January, when we have those after-fall meetings with Coach Powers again, you know, he said, hey, I want you to know you made the team, um, but you're the last guy on the depth chart, basically. You know, you're going to be on the team. You might not be traveling a lot. You might not be pitching a lot at first. Uh, But we kind of want you to try something different too. Have you ever thrown sidearm or submarine? And I was like, no, I've never tried it, but I'll do whatever I got to do. Obviously, I've already proven that. I just want to be on the team. That's my whole goal. And so I think it was three three weeks to a month before the season started in February of that sophomore year. Went out, threw a bullpen, you know, kind of sidearm, submarine. And threw a couple strikes, threw a couple sliders for strikes, and I' doing that from right there. Coach Powers and Flurry, they said that's what you're gonna do. We want you to throw, play catch like that, pitch like that. And next thing I know, man, we're down in Arizona for that first tournament, and I'm the first guy out of the bullpen after our first rounder that year, Shipley. And uh, yeah, to say I was nervous was an understatement, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can't even imagine but But, yeah man happened on that day i remember what happened what happened on that day oh man
1: (laughs) of course you remember you you were you were just as rattled as i was i think (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yes,
1: sir. so yeah man i'm in the bullpen you know just think like i said he told me the week before i'm not going to be pitching and i'm like okay it's a tie game in the eighth inning four to four against kansas a big 12 opponent you know i'm not expecting to go in whatsoever we get the call in the bullpen hey get wit hot he's got the ninth inning talk about an adrenaline rush man I get up there I start throwing the ball I'm shaking in the bullpen it was one of those moments you know where my dream is becoming a reality right in front of me you know I've worked for two years for this moment uh, you know and trying to use all the skills I've obtained to keep it under control but I'm not gonna lie I was nervous and I was I was in over my head a little bit you know <clears throat> so I come in come in from the bullpen, First pitch, big righty, number four hitter. I throw it behind him, dude. Throw it behind him all the way to the backstop. All right, no worries. That's ball one. Uh, Next pitch, boom, drill him right in the back, fastball right in the back. We got a runner on first, no outs. Next guy, I finally throw a strike, but he hits a little grounder, uh, infield single. So three pitches, two guys on. I'm shaking. I'm trying not to balk because my legs are shaking so bad. I'm just trying to come set. <clears throat> Our catcher at the time gives me the uh, pick off the third base move, and he was trying to give me the inside inside turn the second move. And you know, me being a freshman, I know all the signs. I just I don't even think twice about it, man. I come set, lift my leg up to pick off the third base. Remind you, there's nobody on third base. Austin Byler is playing third base, not even looking at me because there's nobody on third base. <laughs> So I pick up my leg and start to pick off the third. And I look at Byler right as he's looking at me like, what are you doing? Oh, my God. And, uh, yeah, so I balk over the guys to second and third. um, And that's when I heard, you know, the broken clipboard in the dugout and uh, (laughs) a lot of uh, yelling and not very happy words coming out of there. And that's when I got taken out of the game, man. That was my first ever (laughs) next guy comes in, gives up a three-run bomb. We lose. I have an infinity ERA to start my career with three pitches, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I totally forgot about it for a while, but then uh, when you mentioned your first start, I was like, oh wait, now I remember that move, <laughs> that random move. I'm like, what the heck is he doing? Like, What's going through his mind? But it kind of goes back to, there's so many emotions that we deal with as athletes. And when you get that first opportunity, I mean, you've been waiting two years, dude. Like you you put on 55 pounds, and I remember you coming back, just yoked out of your mind, totally different person, dude. Like you, like you ate your last <laughs> self, and then you came back and you're throwing cheese from down low and. Like, all these amazing things are happening, and then you finally get the opportunity to go pitch, man, and so yeah, man. the easiest guy to uh, look into the dugout at sometimes. He expects a lot out of his guys, and then you hear the, the clipboard go smashing. It's like, oh, oh man, do I ever well, like, I, again? <laughs>
1: like I said, man, I mean, I grew up watching Coach Powers. You know, he coached there for 31, 32 years. So, I mean, I grew up kind of idolizing that guy, knowing what he did for the program and wanting to play for him. And like I said, it kind of caught me out of left field. He told me the week before, you know, I wasn't going to be pitching. And three weeks before that, I just started throwing sidearm slash submarine from down low. So it's not like I had a lot of experience in the area. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, on top of all the nerves and having my whole family there and my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, you know, just all this stuff going through your head. All I wanted to do was throw a strike, man, and I could not do it for the life of me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's hilarious, man. That's hilarious. I mean,
1: but I remember we, vividly. We go from there, and uh, you know, afterwards, it kind of goes to you know, right in the team huddle. You know, Adam's not going to be pitching anymore, type thing, uh, <laughs> that type thing. And uh, I don't know. I think it was three weeks, maybe a little bit longer after that home game against Northern Illinois. We were up by like fifteen runs. Coach Powers put me in, and I uh, pitched three scoreless innings with like three or four Ks. And from there, I just kind of climbed my way up throughout the season. And uh, by the end of the year, you know, I came in that 12th inning in the Mountain West tournament against Fresno State and shut the door on them. And got, we got our first win in the Mountain West tournament that year against them, you know. I mean, it like I said, it kind of, I guess, starting off so low and so bad in my mind, there was only one way to go and that was up uh, you know there's nothing i could do worse than that first outing
0: absolutely man i think it's a testament to you're never as bad as your results say you are like you still absolutely. have an opportunity to grow man like a lot of us define ourselves by our results but in reality that's just one game you got one opportunity out there and then you had to wait a while but guess what you're going to get another opportunity and another chance to go prove yourself and you took and made the most of that the next couple of times and then end up shutting down the game in the tournament and which led to you being a closer in the future. It's crazy how that absolutely, you know, I think a lot of people look at failure, like it's this terrible thing, but in reality, it's such a good teacher for where we can go and what we can improve on and how we can get better all the time. And for you, you used it as fuel to continue to work hard. And I remember seeing your work ethic and nobody worked harder than you, especially as a pitcher. I mean, pitchers are usually kind of lazy, like, sorry about it, but they are. And, you were a workhorse and before we even forget shout out to cp man coach powers that dude talk about mental toughness he 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 embedded in us early man and and he 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 gave he gave that to us for sure man oh totally man and i I love cp he taught us a lot of great life lessons and he gave us both opportunities to go out there and play the game that we loved at Piccoli park and now it's one of my favorite places in the world and you grew up as a fan there so shout out to cp if he's listening out there he's a great dude and did a lot of great things for the program and, and excited for them this year but And take us through kind of your mindset moving forward from there. Now you get some opportunities to go play summer ball that summer. The following summer, you got to the Cape Cod League. Like, take us through where that biggest leap in your development happened and how that happened for you.
1: Yeah, man, like I said, so uh, throughout that season, I just slowly, you know, I'd get a little bit more pressure situations, kind of developed into a little setup guy um, that freshman year. And then towards the end of the year, a little bit more of a closer type, Uh, you know, big pressure situations at the end of the year. And like I said, I mean, I went from, you know, sidearm submarine guy throwing 82 to 84, maybe 85 miles an hour at the beginning of that year. And by the end of that year against Fresno State, you know, I was punching 91, 92 on the radar gun. Uh, And I think that just came with, you know, all that strength training from the last two years kind of coming into fruition as well as coming into my own confidence-wise and trusting what I was doing throwing. Uh, went to the Futures Collegiate League out in Northeast, uh, you know, Pittsfield, Massachusetts, New England area. And I went in there with tons of confidence. Like I said, I just finished the year in the Mountain West really playing really well. Um, showed up, and uh, one of our uh, assistants, Cam McMullen, his ex, one of his ex uh, teammates was my head coach. And so he kind of had a rundown of my season, where I came from, and uh, he said, hey, you're going to be the closer for us. And I just started that season, you know, first game of the year, save opportunity, come in the eighth inning, pitch two scoreless, um, pitch really well, become an all-star in that league, even though it, was a, it wasn't it was a very well-known league at the time. And, uh, you know, I picked, like I said, I pitched really well. I had like 27 innings, only two or three earned runs, all-star, um, come back with a new, new coach. Uh, Jay Johnson was announced at that year. Um, I remember him kind of calling me and just kind of getting the layout of the land. And, uh, I think I was the best statistical pitcher as far as ERAs and all that stuff coming back when Johnson came in his first year. So I know that he was kind of interested in what I, what I had and what I was doing. Um, come back. And I remember that first meeting in the fall, just kind of meeting with him in his office. And, uh, you know, like I said, I had some confidence because I had been working and, uh, Now I've been seeing the results as well as all the preparation stuff that I put into the game. And I remember specifically, man, him and Coach Lawn, the pitching coach, sitting in the office. First time I ever meet these guys, mind you. And they say, what do you want to do? What do you want your role to be this year? You know, everyone's having a retry out. There's no guarantees on playing positions. And that didn't scare me at all because I had just done that for two years with Coach Powers. You know, I was like, okay, I'll go out and earn it. I'll show you guys what I got to do. And uh, I specifically remember looking at Coach Johnson right in the eyes and saying, I want to be the closer of this team. I want to be the relief pitcher everyone counts on. And you guys can count on, my teammates can count on to go out, throw strikes and get outs uh, when we need it, whether that's the sixth inning, the ninth inning bases loaded, um, the first inning in some cases, I don't care what it is, I want to be that guy. And so, you know, I I remember Coach Long kind of being like, wow, that was – you know, that was kind of ballsy of you to say, your first meeting of meeting some new coaches. Um, but throughout the fall, I think that, you know, I kind of showed in pressure situations that they put us in, you know, bases loaded, two outs, throwing 3-2 sliders, all that type of stuff. I showed that a little bit. And into that sophomore year, our first year with him at the helm, uh, you know, I kind of developed into that from the first outing against Santa Clara, coming in and getting a save. And uh, I ended up getting – I don't know, seven or eight of them that first year and pitched pretty well. And I remember talking to you because you were in the Cape Cod League the year before. Um, I wanted to head out there and go play. And uh, so I got Coach Robert's number, who is the head coach of the Katua Kettleers in the Cape Cod Summer League. Um, I called him directly, asked for you know a chance to come out and play. He gave me a temporary contract to start out the year. I mean, this is, you know, January before the season even starts of our college season. And I remember about the end of April, I had been pitching really well. I had the most saves in the conference. You know, I had a really good ERA, good strikeout to walk ratio, all that stuff. And I called Coach Roberts and said, hey, you know, I I really think that um, I want a full contract out there. I've got some other chances to go play out there on full contracts, but I want to play it to You know, Byler played there last year, he has nothing but good things to say for great things about you. And so he gave me that full contract, uh, for the Cape Cod league. And I hit it out there that summer, man. And you know, that, that place is just a special place. And coach Roberts and the way that he organizes it and gets you to think about summer baseball, um, you know, kind of like what we've talked about. It's more than, more than a game, man. And, it sets you up with host families and relationships and fans and stuff that, uh, you know, you have for life and good life experiences for sure.
0: Yeah. You're so right, man. The, the host family, shout out to all the host families because they're incredible. And without them, none of this would be possible. Even in the minor leagues, there's those host families going on and, I think the Cape Cod League is an incredibly special place. It's it has so much history. It's so rich in its history, and the people there are just so genuine, and it's such a cool little area, dude. I'm going back there this summer in June, and I cannot wait. It's my first time back since 2014, and I can't wait to be back. I, I made it a mission. One, of course, I'm getting a lobster roll because i got to get a lobster roll, <laughs> and two, I'm going to Martha's Vineyard because I didn't get to go the last two times I was there. I'm pissed. So oh, I'm making those a mission, dude, and I'm drinking some good wine out there, and I'm having a great time on the on the Cape. <laughs> That's my goal. but um, Absolutely. But I think the things that I've noticed the most with, with you and that I've noticed from watching you over the years, and I observe, obviously, when you see people who have taken these incredible leaps, and I remember you as a freshman throwing 78 to 81 and right over the top right-handed, and it looked like a beach ball to an 88 to 94 from down low, and it's looking like a freaking Frisbee, like – from watching your development is one clarity in your vision. Two decisiveness. You didn't take no for an answer. You, you allowed the no's and the failures and the and the hiccups in your pathway. Develop you to who you needed to be, and you allowed it to fuel you to who you needed to be. You didn't take any of these little criticisms as oh they think I suck, they don't think I'm good enough, they don't think this. No, you said okay, I'm not there yet. I'm going to be there soon. I can be that person. I just need to work my butt off and get there. And then you took the work and your preparation and you took the time to make that happen. And look what happens. You get the opportunity to go out to the Cape League. You crush it in college for a couple years. Uh, One of the best closers on the West Coast for sure, maybe in the entire nation. And then you get drafted by the uh, Astros and get to go play some pro ball there for a little bit. I think it's incredible what you were able to do with some of these experiences. And most people, when you come up to a roadblock, you have a choice and you either go one way or the other way. And for you, you took the the high road and took the path that probably as least followed where not as many people are going to do because they don't want to go put on 55 pounds and they don't want to go work out in the weight room six to seven days a week. And they don't want to go work on their mindset and develop their mind for success because it's going to help you all over the place. They'd rather coast and go through the motions. And that's what separates the good from the great and the great from the elite. And for you being in college, I think you were one of the elite you came in and whenever you came in, the confidence that you had was, I knew you were going to shut the game down. There was no question when wickets in the game, this game is done. And if you got beat, you got beat, whatever. So what? We're all pissed, but hey, it happens. We're going to get beat sometimes. But for you, when you came in the game, dude, the confidence on the team was, all uh, right, three out, three down. I'm getting a ground ball, and <laughs> he's probably going to fist pump, and then after the game we'll give him a massive bear hug, and just, like, we'll probably <laughs> yeah. hammer fist each other or something, which we probably shouldn't do when you're a right-handed pitcher, and I'm playing first with right hand, <laughs> but like, hey, whatever, dude, let's just get fired up. Let's make this thing happen. So clarity in your vision meaning you knew exactly what you needed to do and where you wanted to be in decisiveness. I mean, you made things happen. You've made a decision. You made a decision to call Coach Roberts. You made a decision to tell Johnson and Lon that you want to be the guy. You made a decision for the team that you said, hey, I'm going to be a leader on this team, and I'm going to be the, the king of the bullpen and lead this group. And you allowed everybody else. You made everybody else better around you, which is what true leaders do. And I think that's incredible, man. It's a testament to who you are, your character, your work ethic the type of human you are and then who you are off the field now and kind of get into that next year of pro ball and then let's get into a little bit of a uh, real life adversity that happened for you there as, as you ended up pro ball and kind of got into real life because one when you step away from sports it's already different you know it's a big fear of the unknown do I got to get a job do I start a business like what do I do I've always had a strict schedule well you kind of got hit with the A Sucker punch and and a spike to the face, you know So take us through going into pro ball and then kind of that transition out of it and what you've been going through the last couple years And and where you're at right now
1: Yeah, man, so like I said, I went to the Cape League uh, Started off with 25 scoreless innings made the all-star team uh, Started getting a lot of scouts interest first time in my life um, Became the reliever of the year all that stuff come back We have a great college season ranked inside the top 20 top 15 for most of the year Um, and then I get drafted. Yeah. In the 16th round by the Houston Astros and, uh, go straight from that into pro ball, you know, and pro ball is a lot different than college, man. You know, it's, you're on your own, you're your own best coach, your own best, um, advocate. And that's what your life consists of, man, is playing baseball all day, every day, 24 seven, you get one off day a month. and it was a great experience, man, you know, getting to travel around and live out the dream. I mean, who doesn't want to be a professional baseball player growing up playing baseball? So that was pretty awesome. Um, and then, like you said, yeah, we kind of, you know, as, as the career kind of starts to fade and go away, you know, there's things going on that I didn't really know about until afterwards. Um, but I worked my butt off in pro ball. The off season, I worked twice as hard as I did in college. Um You know, I'd work out six to eight hours a day depending on what it was, mental, reading books, um, listening to podcasts, all the stuff, you know, that you're kind of preaching. And not just about sports, but about life. You know, I wanted to try to get better and make baseball my career. You know, I want to be successful. Kind of had a rough, rough first full season, Um, ended up getting released after that first year. And like I said, um, you know, just like you were talking about, it's tough. You don't know what to do after baseball's done when you devote 24-7 of your life to it. You don't know. Um, You feel like a failure maybe. You feel like you're lost. You don't know what to do with your life. Um, And you're always growing up listening to people say, you need to know what you're going to do. You know, baseball is only a small part of your life. And like I said, while you're in it, it doesn't seem that way. It seems like it'll last forever, but it's true. So – I get released. I end up just hanging it up, not trying to keep playing independent ball or sign with another team. Um, Move back to Salt Lake City, where my wife is going to pharmacy school at the time. Um, End up coming here, kind of floating around for two or three months, not really knowing what to do. End up getting a job at a tennis facility. Like I said, I played tennis in high school, so just wanted to get get involved in something, you know, find, I had no friends here, didn't know anybody in the Salt Lake area, so I just wanted to get involved, um, start working there, end up getting married in October of 2017, um, you know, starting off married life, she's finished in pharmacy school, I just get a job, kind of figuring out what we're going to do, and then boom, man, uh, six months after being married, April 2018, you know, like I said, I kind of started to feel a little sick, a off balance, um, notice I was losing weight kind of in February and March. And I mean, not just a little bit of weight, five, ten 10 pounds, you know, it was more like 35, 40 pounds and I wasn't working out, wasn't eating as well. Um, and went, got a blood test done, uh, after some talk with my eye doctor, I had some eye vision problems, which has never happened to me. I have perfect vision, um, go and get a blood test done. And, yeah, man, my doctor calls me, and he says, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm getting ready to go to work. You know, it's a Tuesday afternoon. And he goes, yeah, you need to tell him you're not coming to work. Um, Is Sarah home with you? And she had just got home. I said, yeah. And he said, okay, I want you just to kind of remember to take it slow, step by step. Um, I'm here for you, and we can do whatever we need to do. And, I, you know, I'm nervous. I don't know what he's about to tell me from these blood tests. And he says, uh, your white blood cell count is like 300 times what it's supposed to be. My white blood cell count was 300,000 at the time. And normal is like 10,000. Oh. So uh, he says, I already called Huntsman Cancer Institute, which is about two miles away at the University of Utah. It's like the number one, um, one of the number one or two places in the country for cancer. And he said, you have some type of leukemia. We don't know what it is exactly. We You need to go up there. Get some bone marrow tests, more blood tests, and uh, they're expecting you. I pack some overnight bags because you're going straight to the hospital. Like we, you're, you're, you're pretty far on, man. We need to figure out what's going on. And like I said, that kind. Of, I mean, I knew I was sick, but you know, you don't think you're that sick, man. You think you got a cold or the flu or something. Um. So me and my wife pack up a bag. We go up to Huntsman. Um, they rush me into the hospital right into, I mean, I, I, I like sign a form just acknowledging that I'm there. Uh, my wife starts to fill out all my prescriptions and all that type of stuff while I go back and, you know, I give 10 vials of blood, do a bone marrow biopsy, which was pretty rough at the time because my bone cells were so packed with white blood cells that it was tough for them to get a sample. Um, and, you know, within three hours, man, I had called my parents. They were on a flight to Salt Lake. And I had started chemotherapy that night, dude. I was so sick that they were worried about me even for another day or two, not getting on chemotherapy and trying to kill some of those blood cells off. So like I said, you know, you go from being on top of the world, um, getting married, being in pro ball, that stuff to six months later, you know, you have cancer, you're now fighting for your life. And, uh, baseball seems insignificant at that point, man. Let me tell you that when you're just trying to make it to the next week or the next day, you know, it's pretty crazy.
0: I can't even imagine the emotions that you felt, the way, like, you like just that moment, you know, when you get told something like that, like, you have cancer. Like, most people think of that as, like, a death sign. You know, it's like a death signal. Absolutely. Like, oh, boom. Like, initially, I'm done. Oh, I got cancer. I'm dead. Like, I never – like, the most feared thing in the world is – probably fear of failure, I'm just making that one up, but I'm going to assume that's one of them, and then two, fear of getting cancer, and I think for you hearing those words after you've been through so much, like you said you were just on top of the world, dude, you got married, and a beautiful wedding, by the way, up in Tahoe, and the next thing you know, you're done with pro ball, and then you're done, and now, like, you get diagnosed with this out of nowhere, it just hits you, and then they tell you, you might only have three days to live, I remember you telling me that up in Park City, they are like, dude, you might not even make it, like, past this week, that's how bad this is and you just thought maybe it's just a little cold i don't feel good something's wrong but i don't know really what it is and it's crazy how that can happen so fast and then the perspective of sports just gets totally thrown out the window we yeah, man, so in like, your results, too, you know, you're probably thinking so much about work and where are we going to live? How are we going to make this happen? She's still in school and we don't have a lot of money. And then that happens and all of that goes away. I can only imagine. And now it's like, okay, yep. how do we battle this? So how did you after finding that information out? What was your first step to like what What was the process of emotions? Like, I'm sure you went through some grief and stuff at first and some worry and, and all of that. But what was your process of emotions and how did you start to get through this?
1: Yeah, man. Like I said, that first instant is, um, it's tough. I mean, a lot of people deal with it in their families and they have those emotions of, you know, their grandpa getting it, parents, brothers, sisters. Um, And, you know, being a professional athlete, the most healthy guy, a lot of people know, working out all the time, eating good, all that stuff. Last thing I expect. Um, So, I mean, it's a shock to the system. You know, you kind of go numb almost trying to just figure out like I said, everything goes out the window, dude. Your future plans, your five-year plan, your one-year plan, your next, your next week plan, dude. I, I, I went from, you know, hour to hour, basically just trying to figure out what I needed to do, um, and I instantly adopted the mindset. I mean, the second that I started that chemotherapy that night, um, I instantly adopted the mindset of, there's nothing I can do to change the past. There's no need for me to be sad about getting cancer or having it because I already have it. There's nothing I can do to change that. I just need to take a step forward from here and start fighting it with whatever I need to do. If I need to do different type of chemotherapy, more chemotherapy, whatever it is, I need to just move on, move forward from here and uh, just take it step by step, day by day, hour by hour, man. you know, Don't get ahead of yourself. Enjoy what's going on right now. Um, and just figure it out from there and I mean I like I said I adopted that the second that I took that first dose of chemotherapy that night
0: <laughs> it, t- it takes so much self awareness to just get into that I know a lot of people going through it I know my, my little nephew she passed away from terminal cancer when she was fifteen and she beat it then it came back a year later and she passed away but she was so sweet and loving and caring and I know a lot of families have been impacted or touched by cancer in some aspect or some sort of disease that has taken somebody from them or almost taken their own life and it's it's so tough when you're going through that to feel like like you're worthy I can only imagine I mean I haven't been through it knock on wood but the fact of just imagining myself in that situation like Why me? Why me? All these whys and what ifs and what's going to happen and all these questions. But for you, you just said, hey, I'm going to take it day by day. I'm going to get back to what baseball has taught me, what sports has taught me, what my mentors and coaches have taught me in my life. And get back to day by day, hour by hour, what's in front of me, what's in my moment that I can control the most. And you've made the most of it. And talking with you in Park City and now continuing to follow up on our relationship, it's been amazing to see your mindset dude because you've literally pulled through like this is the redemption series and you had full redemption dude like you could have easily taken that opportunity just like the opportunity when you got told you needed to shirt in college to cave in and give up and throw up the towel and you maybe you'd be dead like i'm just gonna throw it out there maybe what if you didn't take this mentality on because your mind is so powerful and when you fix it on that's exactly like that, right. right yeah get into that exactly like, right like get, get, get into that a little because We've talked a lot about this, but how powerful is your mind when you start to train it? And how did your mindset really pull you through this thing?
1: Yeah, man, I think that, uh, you know, I mean, just like you said, going to a basic level of baseball, right? I mean, Johnson and all of the mental coaches that we had that he was able to bring in, focusing on breathing and controlling your mind and breath. You know, it's pitch by pitch. You know, when I came in, bases loaded, no outs. I wasn't worried about getting that third out and winning the game. I was worried about executing my fastball on the inside part of the plate, getting a ground ball, double play. You know, I was executing a slider away to strike that guy out in that moment, that time. Um, so I think like you said, it just transitioned me naturally into that mindset of, okay, what do I need to do next? I need to take this chemotherapy right now. Okay. That's what I need to do. Like I'm going to do that. And, uh, then after that, what do I do? I need to get some sleep. I need to eat. I need to, whatever it is, you know, you go step by step, moment by moment, and just be aware of your surroundings, like you said. Um, so little did I know, you know, all throughout my life, it was training me for that one moment. And for right now, I mean, I went from, you know, those first few months of not working, staying home, resting, being tired, nauseous, um, bone aches, you know, the whole nine, you um, to slowly getting better, slowly getting better, and I mean the type that type of leukemia that I have, um, CML, chronic myeloid leukemia, is a long term thing. It's not a it's not a you know fast onset. It's not a uh, easy remission. There is no official remission for the type that I have. So I mean, as of right now, it's something that I'm going to be living with and fighting for the rest of my life, and you know that's it. Tough pill to swallow, but at the same time, there's been advances in the last few years that have made it so that I'm able to keep living for more than six months, for more than a year. You know, um, there's people that are living for, you know, eight to ten years right now, and that's just because that's how old the medicine is that we've been taking. So, you know, it just drives home that point that you know you gotta live day by day and uh, moment by moment, and just take life as it comes, man. Be appreciative of what you have and you know the relationships and the work and everything that you're doing.
0: Yeah, I know I've I've learned a lot from you, man, and this is very inspiring to me just to hear your testimony and how you've overcome these obstacles and knowing that it's still something that you've got to deal with for the rest of your life, it's not over, which I think is good because it wouldn't have happened to you if you weren't able to handle it. Like God doesn't put these things on people if they can't handle it and just talk about how good God is for a minute, dude. You moved to Salt Lake City. You easily could have gone back to Reno, or you yep. easily could have gone and played another year of independent ball or gotten signed by another team because you, exactly. if you wanted to, you would have. But guess what? You go to Salt Lake City, and a mile or two away is the number one cancer institute in the world. How about that? If you're not there, who knows what happens?
1: That's exact, dude. exactly right. I say that all the time, man. You know, I didn't know what my place was here in Salt Lake. I didn't know why I had that kind of urge to just call it a retirement instead of keep fighting because I had been fighting my whole career um, but everything happens for a reason you're exactly right man I mean you know they wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had this diagnosis and all this stuff if I wasn't ready for it I don't believe and um, yeah I mean the circumstances of having being able to go to a world-renowned cancer institute within 10 minutes of being diagnosed, and starting my chemotherapy three hours after getting there, I mean, dude, that doesn't happen if I'm in Corpus Christi, Texas in A. You know, that doesn't happen if I'm in Davenport, Iowa in single A for the Astros. You know, I don't have that opportunity to go and do that.
0: What, what, what advice do you have for somebody, whether it's in their job right now, whether it's in their sport that they play, whether it's in a relationship that they're in? that's not going their way or it doesn't look like it's going for them. They think things are happening to them and they're like, it's a constantly why me battle. What advice do you have for somebody who's going through something like this and they just can't see the bigger, bigger picture, 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 how to get picture, they don't know how to switch their perspective. They're just stuck in their own mind and it's the internal game. What advice do you have for them to pull through or to at least start to see the world a little differently and, get to the present moment and get to the little things and gratitude that you're showing right now?
1: Yeah, man. It's all about, uh, you know, we have a lot of mental health practice and people coming in talking about the things that you are now talking about, you know, controlling your breath, your emotions, um, understanding that, you know, things happen to you that you have no control over, but it's how you respond to them. And so, I mean, whether it's, like you said, a relationship with, your parents, your brother, your sister, your family, um, your significant other, whatever it is, your work relationships, your job—you uh, know, there's things that are always out of your control. That's what life is. Life isn't fair. Life um, will try to beat you down and be tough on you, but at the same time, there's so many beautiful moments um, that you have to focus on those beautiful moments and control what you can control. You know, I mean, if it's if it's something that's in a relationship and you know maybe it's communication maybe it's something else control what you can control you can com- you can control how you communicate with that person or with the situation you can control how you react to somebody doing something to you or the world doing something to you you know i could just like we were talking about i could have taken it and been like why me why is this happening to me you know be depressed beat up why am I getting cancer? I don't deserve this. You know, I'm not a bad person. But instead, I just naturally went to, okay, how do we respond? What do we do from here? Where to what, – what can I do to help myself? What is in my control? You know, and I think that that's the biggest thing in life in general, whether it's sports. Um, you know, if I give up a home run to tie the game in the ninth inning, am I just going to roll, roll over and walk in the next four guys to lose the game? Or am I going to continue to battle that next pitch and control what I can control by throwing strikes? You know, Same in life. Am I going to just roll over and, like you said, give in to the cancer? I mean, it could easily kill me if I just let it. But mentally, I decided to tell myself I'm going to do everything in my power to not let that happen. I'm going to go. I'm going to force myself to do workouts even when I'm not feeling good. I'm going to force myself to eat when I'm not hungry if I know I need it. I'm going to drink water. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to try to focus on the good things in life to stay positive. You know, I'm going to try to rekindle relationships and focus on the ones that I have really well right now, you know, and I think that's just something that if I had advice for anybody going through anything tough, it would be control what you can control, focus on the positive no matter how small it is. You know, I I loved, uh, I don't know if you posted it or someone else posted it, but I saw A thing that said, you know, if you had $86,000 and someone stole $40 from you, would you be focused on that person that stole the $40 and you throw away the rest of your $86,000? Or would you focus on still having that $85,960? And that's just a, a thing of your seconds in the day. You know, you might have 40 bad seconds in one day. You might have an hour of bad time in one day, but you still have 23 hours left in the day. You know, you can focus on being positive, being good, um, changing your mindset to what you want it to be, what you want your outcomes to be.
0: That is such a great perspective and it puts a lot of things in a clear, definitive way with just flipping the script on how you see the world, you know, changing the lens of what you look through and and how you see things a little differently and taking every single moment with as much gratitude as you possibly can and, and fully embracing yourself in your moments like you're talking about the time thing is huge man i know I heard somebody say it said hey i'm 40 i think he's like 45 years old he's like the average age is 75 i've lived over half of my life if i live the average age think about that like my mom and dad are 56 54 like my grandparents are already over 75 like any day somebody could be taken away and maybe you only have 10, 10 years left by the world standards, or maybe you only have 20, or maybe that's the average, but guess what? You can control everything that you do on a daily basis to set yourself up for longevity, to set yourself up for a healthy life, to set yourself up to handle these experiences like you've done with your reading and with um, the mental practices that you do and, and the positivity and the gratitude that you see in every single moment, and it it boosts your stamina, too. I think it gives you more energy to help get you through these situations when it's going down. So do you have any, like... I know you said, like, be positive, like, the gratitude, really see see that, like, the time thing, but is there any, like, clear, specific strategies or tactics that you use now that you've maybe either learned from baseball or maybe that have really, that you've noticed that help a lot getting through some of the chemo and getting through some of the uh, the side effects of what you've been through?
1: Yeah, man. I mean, I think the biggest, one of the biggest things that helped me during baseball was when coach johnson had people come in and teach us how to visualize you know when we laid down on the ground in the locker room before every game and we would sit there and breathe and visualize for five to ten minutes and visualize executing a pitch one pitch at a time success um i still do that in my everyday life you know i mean if i'm If I'm having a tough day and I'm having a tough morning, you know, I'm not feeling good, I'm nauseous, just feeling tired and sick from dealing with all the chemo and everything. Um, You know, I visualize getting better. I visualize the chemo killing the cancer cells inside my body. I visualize getting outside, playing some golf. Um, I visualize seeing my wife, you know, having her be there by my side, my parents, my brother. all all those all those good things that keep you going you know and just visualizing success visualizing the end of the day visualizing what you want your day to be like and controlling your breath during that i think helps keep you grounded and in the moment and like i said i think that that visualization process is the best thing that i learned from baseball i mean i learned tons of stuff but i think that that visualization and um Being able to control yourself and your own breath and body uh, helps you out in the world with whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through.
0: The visualization is incredibly impactful. And as for you, that's the biggest thing I took out of our time in Nevada was visualization and how to – like switch your mindset i mean we we noticed it with our team we noticed it with our individual statistics when we did it and when we didn't do it and how we felt when we did it and when we didn't do it and that's something that i teach to everybody i come across if i go in there for one day or five days it doesn't matter no matter who i'm talking to i teach them visualization and how to see their dreams and how to see success and how to see gratitude and see positivity and see love and see happiness because in a world that tries to shut you down so much there's so much negativity out there. You go on social media when you first wake up and you see the filters and you see the bikini pics and you see the angles that make people's lives look so glorified and you get jealous of what they're doing. But rather than getting jealous of what other people are doing and, and the things that we can't control, let's control what we can control in our future and, and we can do that and manifest it through our mind. And for you right now, like I guarantee you that's helping your transition. I guarantee you that's helping your cancer be kind of tamed and helping you get through it with more energy and with more positivity and gratitude because you're training your mind to deal with it. It's like if you go into the game and I'm a hitter and I don't ever see you throw, it's going to be a lot harder to hit you. But if I go out there and I visualize myself hitting off of you and I see what pitches you're throwing and where you're throwing them and what your plan is, I'm going to have a lot better opportunity to be successful. I'm going to be more prepared. And everybody, not everybody, I don't want to say everybody, but majority of people know about visualization and meditation. But majority of people don't use the tool because they either think it's fluff and it's stupid, or they think it takes too long, or they think their mind doesn't work that way, or they're in that fixed mindset where I'm just born this way, I, I, I can't control my thoughts, I can't do this. Well, guess what? You can change no matter what. Just like you're programmed and conditioned from an early age to think one way, you can totally switch that mindset around and reprogram your mind at any time. And that's what you've done throughout baseball and now throughout real life. And you've taken those tools that you've learned to enhance your personal life. I think it's incredible, man. And I'm so proud of you and what you're accomplishing right now. And, and the path that you're on and just the maturity that you've experienced and the mindset that you have, it inspires me every single day to continue to work hard. And I always think about you and always think about what you've been through and how you've gotten through it. And, and if I'm having a tough day, it's like, hey, dude, this guy's like taking a bull by the horns and this is what he preaches. I'm going to do the same thing. Like, it's tough for us. Sometimes we've all, we all need mentors. We all need friends that we can rely on and people that can be in our corner to help us get through everyday life. And that's the biggest thing that I think I've learned from this man is good people make the world go around. And, and I'm thankful to know you witty. So what's the, uh, we'll finish up here. What's kind of your end goal, man. What's this, uh, next chapter in your life looking like, what do you want to accomplish? What are you trying to serve to the world? And, and what do you, what kind of impact do you want to make on the world?
1: Yeah, man. I mean, uh, As of right now, you know, I'm back to work. I'm the manager at the tennis facility. I'm starting to teach it a little bit more as well, get a little bit more physically active. Uh, You know, I've been working out, and um, my cancerous blood cell percentage has been going down pretty steadily over the last 20 months, 21 months. Um, And, you know, you just kind of work on that and keep positive and let the results take care of themselves, like we said, step by step. But you know, I'm starting to get back into what I want to do in the future. You know, like I said, it killed me from, uh, all my future plans and goals to, you know, very hour by hour, step by step. And now I'm starting to look ahead into the future. And I think that's one of the things that I want to, I want to help do. And, you know, I've talked with my family and a lot of friends and people that I've met here in Salt Lake, whether they're dealing with cancer or not. Um, is I've had a lot of experiences that not a lot of people have had with the pro ball and the going through cancer at a young, younger age. Um, and I want to be able to help anybody that is going through any of those things. Or even if you, if you have never experienced those things and you just want to be better at baseball or you just want to be better at life or school or have better relationships, you know, I think that, um, like you said, knowledge and helping others learn is the best tool that we have. And, uh, you know, I really enjoy listening and seeing you go on your journey and, uh, do all of your major league university stuff, um, all your inspirational and mental training, um, things that you do. And I'm in full support of you, man. And really, really hope that you can get out there and keep impacting people's lives. Like you already have. I mean, you've impacted mine, you've impacted Sarah's and my family and, Your family and my family are good friends still. And, uh, you know, I think that's just something that I see you doing, and I'm extremely proud of you, man.
0: I appreciate it, man. I do. And God is good, man. God is good. He's putting us in positions to use our stories and testimonies as a platform to impact the greater good of the world. And that's why I want you on my team as like one of our speakers and somebody that we can send out there and say hey if you need somebody that you want to get lifted up or we can send you to a hospital or whatever it is like whatever it is in the future I want you on the team going out and speaking as we build this thing out because I want good people like this who can share an impactful story because i was impacted today and i know a lot of people were and i know a lot of people are going to share this with somebody that they love who might be going through something like this Um, maybe somebody who's dealing with cancer or who has dealt with a death because of cancer or something related to this because every person in the world has some sort of connection with this subject and you're able to provide so much inspiration for them so I, i just pray that you Continue to share your testimony, share your, your platform, use it for the greater good, and continue to help people with this because you're helping a lot of people, man, and, and not a lot of people have the same experiences that you have, so to be able to learn from somebody like that, it's it's a blessing, dude, and God's put you in a position to use your testimony for the world, and, and I'm excited to see where it takes you, man. I'm pumped for this, so... Whit, I appreciate you coming on the show, brother. I'm sending you my best as always. We'll link up soon. But I uh, appreciate the wisdom you spoke here. I hope everybody got something really good out of this. And, um, man, I'm just extremely thankful for you, Whit.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Uh, thanks for everybody listening. And uh, I look forward to, to keeping in contact and growing our relationship, B.